in the book of Acts. It is chapter 10. Uh, we're starting in verse 9. And uh, so I'm going to start in 9b, if you will. And this is, uh, this is what it says. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were making preparation, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And on it were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I wish I had a deep voice for those parts. That would have been so good just to have like a deep baritone that I would say it like how I would think God would sound. But he said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. But again, the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had, uh, he had seen might mean. Now, without reading it, I'll just kind of give you a synopsis of what takes place from there. That dream that came to Peter was a dream that God was using the metaphor of these unclean animals as him embracing a new style of ministry and a new move of God that he was bringing to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were considered an unclean group because they were not a part of the Jewish heritage and what God had done for the children of Israel. And so they were kind of like off to the side and God was announcing to Peter through this vision slash trance dream is that he was... He wanted Peter to include the ministry to the Gentiles in his diet. And after that, uh, he would go to the house of Cornelius and there would be this miraculous outpouring of the Spirit that would come onto the Gentiles that just blew Peter's mind, that changed the dynamic of the ministry that the people of God had to the world. And so that is kind of giving you a synopsis of that occasion as we look about Look at this for what this could possibly mean for our lives. And so here, here, let me just give you an idea of things. Because we were singing this morning and we were using the screen to watch that. And it kind of, my wife, without talking, probably thought the same thing. Is this kind of took us to those awesome moments when we were starting the church where we would, we would do what we call CD worship. So we would do CD worship and we show things on the screen and it was dynamic worship, even though it was done in that form. At that point, we didn't have a worship team. And so we knew we wanted to worship, and we were going to work it out however we can. And so we put it on the screen like you guys did. And I would tell people, you got to come to our church. You never know when Kurt Franklin's going to show up. <laughs> you never know when Hillsong's going to show up and lead worship. And all of this stuff would be done through what was on the screen. So I wasn't lying to nobody. It just happened in a different form that they would show up. And so we would have Hillsong, we have Kurt Franklin, we would have a choir show up one week, and it was just, but listen, 
it was a, a powerful time, but I don't think that's what threw people off as much as this. They would come in there, lights would go down, the, the songs would go up, flags would be beginning to wave, and there was a time where they came in one Sunday where there was a disco ball on the ceiling. And that disco ball, I said, I just, I need some more lights in here. I need, I need to jazz it up a little bit. I like the flags, I like the music, but we got to feel like it's a party. What can we do? Because we can't fit, you know, it was back in the day. They didn't have all those motion lights for kind of like a, a good price. So my idea was a disco ball. Put a little beam on that thing and just let it rotate. People were tripping at the disco ball that was in this church. And that's out of everything what they remember. It's like, you, oh, you go to that church and they're like, oh, is it the church with the disco ball on the ceiling? And so we just had, we would have a good time. Once, once the presence would come in, I mean, you know, it's one thing when you see it. It's another thing when you're in the moment of what's happening. People learn to appreciate it, enjoy our experience in worship during that time. So we, we, we had a good time. I mean, nowadays we don't have the disco ball. It's, it's kind of one of those sacred cows we had to kill. You know, <laughs> so like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. We're a little bit more advanced. Probably got a little bit more that we can um, invest into. And so, uh, but it, it won't be odd for you to uh, come to one of our services and for, uh, and I don't know how this happened, spontaneously, it would be during worship where people got up there and, you know, we invite people to just come into the presence of God and express their love for God. Uh, one time they broke out into the electric slide and all of a sudden to worship, you're seeing the, you're seeing them. <laughs> and not the Cuban shuffle, but the electric slide will be happening during our worship experience. And people would love it. And it was appropriate. It wasn't distracting from what was happening. It was actually appropriate to the kind of worship that was happening. We are celebrating. We were free in the things of God. So that, 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 that's, that's just us. And, 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 and God moves through our worship. God moves through our time. Why, why, why do I even mention all this stuff from reading to you about this whole scenario with Peter and, and how God gave him vision to kill and eat? Is, is, is I want to show you this. I, I want you to go away understanding today that God has killer moves. God has killer moves. I'm going to provoke you today. There's more than one meaning to what I just said there, and we're going to explore that. But God has killer moves. We see this in what he showed Peter in this vision of kill and eat. He was asking Peter to move, but in order to move, something had to be killed. Kill and eat. And, and, and because this is on my heart and it's what I carry as a revivalist, if you, we are going to move past powerless Christianity because there is a form of Christianity that is powerless. I lived it for many years. We are going to need to be okay with those killer moves from God. Can you say amen? We're going to have to be okay. Meaning his moves kill something in us. There's something in us, like in Peter, like in us. Whenever he's moving, something 
needs to be killed. I remember uh, just this moment, again, going to Lancaster for the years that I was there. Uh, for the most part of my life, even though I loved God, even though I was going after God, even at the age of 17, I came to the Lord. It was basically at a place where I was suicidal. I was a member. I'm a pastor's son. I'm one out of seven. Uh, stuck there in the middle, one of the middle children. Uh, and I was in this place where I was feeling so depressed. I was even going to counseling, and they were giving me you know, some medicine just to medicate me at night because I had insomnia and everything from these tormenting, depressing thoughts. So here I am in church hearing about God. It's part of that whole, you know, Bible, Bible school where they would put the flannel graph up. And I don't know if you guys do flannel graph. I don't know if you even know what that means because depending on the generation, they don't know what that means. But it was like on a felt board and they put these little pieces of paper of Bible characters up there. Anyway, that's flannel graph. I found it out years later. I was just like, okay, this was the multimedia of the day. It was just paper and, and this, this, this felt that they was able to stick on. Hearing these um, messages again and again, found myself in a place of depression and even suicide is when I cried out to God and my experience and my encounter changed my perspective and outlook and trajectory of life when he came into my room and gave me a peace that I couldn't deny and it was as simple as a, a good night's sleep after a prayer to say, God, if you're real, I need you to make yourself known to me. And he came in the form of peace, and he came in the form of love. And I said, how can I be in church all these years and never experience the power of his peace and his love in my life? And that just started me on a journey of I'm going after this. Whatever he is and whatever it looks like for my life. I'm, and things had to die along the way for that pursuit. But I was eager to let it die because of what I had experienced in him. And this is, that was my experience. So, but, but for years of having that, that was the first encounter that I had with him. And then you kind of go into just the routines and the minutia of life. And, and I was just hungry. I wanted to know God in a different way. And, and so some of that carried us over to Lancaster to pursue ministry. Uh, doors were being opened to do that. And, but I found myself once again in ministry, working with youth. Counseling, meeting with parents about the youth, going into schools to just advocate for the children, doing all the things I could do and, and going to a, a great Mennonite church there in Lancaster where we're still friends with many of the congregates there and the pastor that was there. Just going to and doing all that stuff. And I just found myself in this moment looking around at it all and saying, is this it? Is that it? Okay, I'm, 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 I'm working with youth. I'm, I'm doing, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm doing, is this it? Like, I feel like I'm doing the right things, but there was sort of this, what we could call divine discontentment that started to be created in me. Like, is this it? Just do things and have Christian friends and, and raise my family on stuff. And, and, and I didn't have the full understanding of what was going on, but I just knew that there was this divine discontentment going on inside of me. That's like, there has to be more. Where's the power? Where's the, when I read Acts, where is, where's that? 
And maybe I was reading the book of Acts to wonder, like, I'm counseling these kids and we're talking to these kids. And it could just be, like, sometimes just motivational and helpful stuff that we tack on Jesus with. It's like, but some of these kids and some of these parents need more than just good advice with Jesus tacked on. Some of what they're experiencing is, 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 is other than what I can provide. I am at my human limitation, but I have a God who is unlimited and all-powerful. It's like, is, it, is there more? And that just took me on this journey of, of reading Acts and saying, well, where's the God? Where's, does he still do that? Does he still do that? Did it stop somehow? Like afterwards, where's the pathway? Where's this happening? And, and it caused me to read material. And it caused me to have an appetite for something more. But something in my old appetite had to die. I had to, I, the old appetite of status quo, of just normal Christianity and, and just all that, just going through the motions and the routines and the traditions, so, that had to die. In order for me to pursue something that, watch this, I was super uncomfortable with. This was way out of my comfort zone to begin to kill my idea of how I believed God moved and eat my ego, or another way of saying it is swallow my pride, but eat my ego that would keep me keep me in past moves of God. Like if I wouldn't have eat my ego, I would just be in a past move of God versus swallow my pride and kill my idea, kill and eat, in order to embrace what God was doing now and what God was going to do next. But this was outside, like it was for Peter, outside a comfort zone. And many people can't stomach the new move of God. God has killer moves. But some of it, we can't stomach what he actually wants to do. And so that's why I talk about that in my book, Moves of God Are Messy, because people are saying, God, move, I want you to do something amazing. And it's funny when some of our people, like after they come to the Lord and receive Jesus Christ as a person, it's, it's wonderful. And so there's a moment of it's wonderful, but all of a sudden they start losing friends. They start losing, you know, like the family members don't know how to identify with them anymore. Things at, at work, all these things begin to happen. It's like, well, I thought it was going to be glorious coming. I thought I was going to get promotions. And I don't know what people's idea of when God comes in, but they thought they were going to get a promotion. They thought all their friends were going to, you know, that the cat was going to all of a sudden like them and the dog wasn't going to bark at them anymore, and that the birds would sing when they walk outside. I don't know what they imagined, some kind of Disney movie. But it was like, no, this is like him coming to your life. He provides, there's an inner world that you are blessed by peace and love and all the things that you can't find in the outer world. There's things that happen inside, but there's a lot of things that become uncomfortable and things that need to move or be killed or, or boundaries need to be put up for where God is looking to take you. And so moves of God are messy, or the new moves of God are hard to stomach. And when God is speaking to Peter in the scripture, he's basically asking Peter to include the Gentiles in his ministry diet. And how hard is that for people whose traditions are not like your traditions? They don't like what you like. They don't look how you look. 
They don't. They, they, they have the same culture upbringing that you have. I mean, just by virtue of having a multicultural church, which 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 is is, is there's going to be a sense that each of you, in some way or another, are eventually going to be uncomfortable because it's not just here to appeal to your culture. It's here because of the kingdom culture. And the kingdom culture is what we submit to, and eventually that's going to mess with our culture. And then other people's culture, if you want to be able to really embrace a kingdom culture, there's going to be other cultures that they do stuff that you're not comfortable with. And it's not according to your diet. But I don't know about us. We, 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 we like everything. We just like every kind of food. Like, give me the ribs with the collard greens and the cornbread. Give me the Asian food. Give me the Thai food. Give me the German food. I mean, we, we could do it all. We just got that, that, that mishmash inside of us. We're just not crazy about seafood. And I know you're like, oh, can't hang with you. But we're not just lobster people and stuff like that with crabs. We just, but everything else. And even that, we don't mind trying a crab cake or two, especially if it's in Baltimore. Anyway. But Peter, Peter was asked to include something in his diet. You know, what if one day Pastor Paul just got up here and said, we are relocating our church services to the local youth detention center, and that's where we're having service. How many of you be like, praise God, he heard from the man. That man of God just heard from him. Be like, what you talking about, Willis? I'm sorry. That just came out. My, my mind goes back to the 80s. Um, they're like, what are you talking about, Pastor Paul? Like, that will be so uncomfortable. But I, I just want you to get the idea that when God was asking Peter to do this, there was nothing comfortable about what he was asking him to do. First of all, this is not in the Jewish diet. None of those animals that were presented were kosher. And la later on to find out that th this was a metaphor for Gentiles, other people, people not like you and I. I think about like just my journey of uncomfortable experiences after kind of embracing the move of God. And, and listen, this is not just a one-time thing. It's like, oh, uh, God moved once, got really uncomfortable, now we're in a good place. He don't have to move again. We're good. We'll stay in this move of God. You know, the new move of God will always be in friction with the old move of God. And do you know one of the reasons why John the Baptist had to be beheaded is because an old system had to die and a new system had to be born? And sometimes, so, so like I said, God has killer moves. And do you know before moving into a New Testament, from an Old Testament or Old Covenant, somebody had to hang on a cross. God has killer moves. Something has to die for a new move of God to exist. Are you following me? So this is not just something I'm saying. This is something you can follow throughout the thread of Scripture. See, I remember uh, for, uh, we asked for a, a, a man to come and to minister. And he had a, profet a prophetic ministry. And he was coming, and I knew this was going to be new for our church because they were just getting used to kind of the style of ministry we were looking to bring into Philadelphia, which, which I'm sure there were others out there, but we were just untraditional in so many different ways in how we would um, bring, bring the word and even conduct our services. And so this man I knew was going to mess with some, if you will, tradition, mess with some ideas of what's kosher or not because he would come from California 
And he came out. Very tender, you, you have to hear him speak to understand. If you give him a chance to speak, you will understand that God is really using him. But he had a mohawk. And the mohawk, the, a Mexican with a mohawk. And he had this mohawk, and it would be either orange or green or purple. Whatever, whatever color, prophetically, he had for that season, that would be the color of his mohawk. <laughs> and it was just, he got up there, and I'm like, I know this is messing with people because it's messing with me right now. He's like, these Cali people, so progressive, whatever. So it's like he came out here, but when he would minister the word of God and he would bring the revelation from the word of God, there was no doubt that this guy was a student of the word and he would speak with revelation and people would be blessed, but they just had to get over what they believe men of God look like. This new move of God. I mean, that's one of the many experiences because of the, I believe the zone that God moves through is right outside your comfort zone. Like, like in your comfort zone, I, I don't think he's doing as much as you think. I think those are things that's good that you get established and there's a comfort zone and a place of blessing he brings you in. But if you make too much of the blessing and the blessing becomes sort of the idol in your life, whatever that is. God blesses us with jobs. He blesses us with marriages. He blesses us with houses. He, he blesses us with all types of things. And children, once those things become comfortable and you become an, an idol, at that point, I believe God kind of begins to move on. And where he moves on to is right outside your comfort zone. The zone he's in and he moves is outside our comfort zone. I think we just got to... I, I think we've got to be, the church needs to have a doctrine for change. Like, doctrine, change needs to understand the doctrine of change. Like, things change. Things, God is a, is a guy that he's moving and, 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 and he's moving. It, you might be thinking, yeah, but God says in the word that God never changes. It's so, so true. God never changes. But he's also holy. And holy is one of a kind. It's original. It's something. So God is, I believe, he does one thing in one season, and it requires us to change and adapt. But it's not like God is changing, but he is evolving us. And then he's like, what are you ready for next? You know, these angels that see him all the time in heaven and call him holy, 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 holy. That means they're seeing something different and unique about him all the time. It's not that he's changing as much as he's revealing a little bit more of his power and what he does so that they're like, oh my goodness, I, I thought I figured you out. And next thing you know, you become holy and altogether different. Because to give it to us at all one moment would blow our brains. It would be like smoke coming out the ears. And so he is changing. He'll give us, or he changes things because he is moving and he's inviting us into that move god the change that makes you uncomfortable is in order to position you for maximum impact because many of us are not having the impact we can have until we're willing to change until we're until we're willing to get to the point is this it is this it it is in that moment that it's like, okay, God is building my appetite for something more and letting him serve it to me and set me up for it. Getting into that uncomfortable place where God is bringing those killer moves. Those killer moves is that I'm killing the idea of how I think God moves while eating my ego or swallowing my pride 
so that he can begin to move anew and afresh in my life. Are you hearing me? Change from old moves of God to new moves of God are hard to stomach, but that's what happens when he says going from Jew to Gentile. We're including them all. It is, it is the difference between going from wilderness to the promised land. There's a change that had to occur, and it hurts some of those guys. I don't know if, Pastor Paul, you ever had, uh, you get into those provocative scriptures where they had to cross over, and, and when they crossed over, there was a whole group of men there that hadn't been circumcised by the last generation. And because a last generation didn't set them apart, Joshua had to set apart this new generation and something had to die. Their ego had to die in order to present as adult men their private parts in order to be prepared and in covenant with God for the new thing he was doing. It, something needs to die in, something, in order for something to live or to be birthed. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament. How about a scripture as simple as this or where he says, from faith to faith. From glory to glory. Are we going from faith to faith? Are we going from glory to glory? Because faith in one season will take us here. But it says, oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to have faith for the next thing. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. It's the, the two in the middle that we get stuck at. It's the T-O in the middle. And for many of us, the T-O, when we get to that point, when he's trying to take us to another level of faith or level, level of glory, getting out of our comfort zone to get into where he's at and into his zone, that two in the middle, that T-O for many of us is time out. Time out. No, 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 no. We're good. I'm comfortable. Or that T-O can mean trust and obey. I'm going to trust and obey from this place of faith to this place of faith. From this place of glory to Trust and obey this place of glory. But many people just time it out and they don't get to that place because it's too uncomfortable. Some people never get past Jesus is my Savior. They never move past that. And Jesus can be more than just your Savior. It's like Jesus is my Savior. I'm good with that. I'm good that he gets me out of my bad situation I was once in. It's like what about moving to Jesus is your Lord. And Jesus is your Lord is not just getting you out of a situation, but knowing that he's present in whatever situation. That he is Lord. It's going bad. It, it, it doesn't look like it, it should look or I thought it should look, but God, you are in my situation. You are still Lord. He is not just Savior, but he wants to be your Lord. But some people never move past that. That's crazy. Some people never move from I'm here to be blessed. I come to church because I just want to be blessed. Give me a word that blesses me, Pastor. Make me feel good, Pastor. Say something promise. Like, they just, they, that's all they want to hear. That's all they come for is I want to be, don't get me wrong. God is a blessing God. God is a good God. He wants to bless his children. But how about we move from I'm here to be blessed to I'm here to be a blessing. That I am not just here to receive from the anointed, but I am anointed. And with the anointing and the authority and power that he's put in my life, now I can bring that and be a blessing to other people's life. That I'm not just here to be fed, but I'm here to give somebody something to eat. Amen. But they, they don't, they'll move past that because they stay in one place of faith. And they say, time out when it comes to being a blessing or for him to be Lord. But he's taking us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And it's going to mean something needs 
to be killed. Kill and eat moves is to kill my understanding of how God moves and eat my ego in order to act on where he is moving now. Let me just give you some ideas of what this could potentially look like for your life as we conclude this time. It might, it might mean that God's power, we only think it only moves through his spoken word. What if he's trying to move like God's power doesn't always move, just only move in a spoken word. It also moves through his released worship. That in worship he released, or flip it. Because some of us only think God's power moves through worship. And he's like, you got to kill that because it doesn't move through worship. It also moves through the anointed word of God. And he's just taking us from one place to another, but it requires that something might need to be killed and pride might need to be swallowed in order for us to move into that place. That, how about just God, us believing that God only moves at church? Maybe that's the thing he's trying to move us on from and kill that idea of that God only moves in church. How about God moves at your work? Because when you show up, he shows up, and you're carriers of his presence. You just got to eat your ego and think you're just not there to be a, 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 an employee, but you're an ambassador of the kingdom wherever you go. And that miracles don't happen at an altar. They can happen in a cubicle. Amen? I'm like, that, that's, that's like a change in thinking that's provocative, but it's going to require you that you come out of a zone of comfort into an uncomfortable place, only to be comforted by what you find when you're willing to kill and eat. And then God's power only moves to mature adults. How about that? God's, it's got to be mature adults, and only, that's the only way that God's power to male adults, mature adults. And, and God's power might... God's taking you to a place where God's power moves to a younger generation. That might be naive about a couple things. Might not know all the scriptures that you know, but God will speak to them and move through them and say something to them. I remember, um, just, just this memory comes up. I don't know if you remember this. When I was, on, uh, I was ministering, and then there's, I was getting these impressions while I was ministering for people in the congregation, and one of the people was like a young Young kid of, of some, the parents of the, like, hey, can, can you guys come on up? And, and I do it more conversational than anything else. It's not, thus saith the Lord, the Lord's going to come with thunder and fire. And, I, and they're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't do all that. Like, you know, uh, you know, maybe that's out of my comfort zone. <laughs> maybe I'll do that one day. Who knows? Maybe today. I'm just kidding. But I, I was like, I was just talking to the, the young kid, and I was just saying, hey, you know, this is what I'm seeing. This is what God's showing me. And then I was just kind of listening to the Holy Spirit. And at one point, I was like, Man, like, I see art in that you're going to be drawing things and, and there's things that you're going to be doing with art. And like, do you draw? Does that make sense to you? And the kid looks at me and he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, that's okay. I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to do those things. I was like, okay, well, maybe this is something in the future, something that you pray. I'm, I'm fine. I, you know, sometimes I think we do nothing because we're so risk adverse, but I think it's in the risk that, you know, God speaks and does stuff. And anyway, I was willing to go for it. I was like, okay. And then I got other things right and it was fine. And so after service, uh, the parents come over to me and they're all having like, um, they're like, oh man, that was so good. It's so accurate. It was so blessed by us. And the kids, they were like, oh man, that's awesome. What did you think? He's like, it's good. He's like, and the parents then proceed to show me a picture that he was drawing during the service. And I'm like, why did you make me look like a fool 
Well, I was just kidding. I was like, I was like, what do you mean? This is an awesome drawing. And I was like, I don't know if he was nervous and this meant this. I don't know what that was. I was like, this was a wonderful drawing of what the guy was showing him during the service. And he was illustrating it while the preaching was happening. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll eat my ego. I'm going to eat my ego right now. I'm not going to get up next Sunday. By the way, y'all, let me just tell you how accurate that word was. For you doubters out there. No, it was, it was just, but it was, a, it, was just a, it was just a moment. It was just a moment to, to, to see that. But it was a moment where God was acknowledging a younger generation. That a younger generation has gifts. They have expressions. And that right now, they're appropriate to what he's saying and what he's doing. If you come to our church, it's the majority of the people that are up there, young people, is like they, they call it, they think it's a youth church. I was like, no, there's older generations, all the generations here. Stop it. Because I don't want it to be like, it's like just a, uh, like only feel like we're just one, one, one style. But it's, it's the power of God moving through other generations. For some, it, that might be a, a leap that you have to take that God is speaking and doing something to another generation. His power tends to move where we feel the most powerless. His power tends to move where he, we feel the most powerless. And we see that where God was moving, he would move and begin to speak to a stuttering old man. Say, I'm going to move to your life through a Moses. Not when Moses was in his prime and Moses was the most well-spoken. No. He speaks to Moses when he feels the most powerless probably washed up, probably just, just he's a criminal on the run, a run on the backside of a desert. And that's where God visits and says, I'm moving in power now and in this situation. You feel powerless, you're going to see how much power I have. Because he was in the best place where ideas of God, he can easily kill those. And also eating his ego, he had no ego. He's like, I'm no longer a person, I'm just a shepherd. And God says, exactly, I can move through this humility. I can move through a person who's a stuttering old man that now I'm going to use to you know, minister and move my people into the promised land. How about old and barren? God loves to use old and barren, stuttering and old. He loves to use young and feeling insignificant people in a David. He loves to use the widowed and the poor, he highlights those and moves to those. He, he moves to the scared and the weak like a Gideon. He, he moves, even people who have a scandalous past like a Rahab. He's moving through people who have wrong stations in life. It, it, God tends to move, is what I'm trying to show you. God tends to move to those who feel the most powerless. He wants to bring his power into those situations. Those are the new moves of God. So if you're looking for something profound and powerful and prolific and all those other things, you might move, miss the move of God because you think in your idea of where God is moving and God has a whole different idea. We just need to learn to kill and eat. It's saying, I'm going to kill my idea, I'm going to eat my ego, and I'm going to let the move of God move through me because I feel like one of those things. Or I see God doing that and through uh, those type of people, but I, I don't necessarily see the evidence of that in his word. Pastor Paul, like this last... Um, Season, it was just 2020 and beyond. 
there was a lot of people leaving my church. They were just leaving my church, and it was for a variety of different reasons, and, and some were good transitions, and some were not so good transitions, and, and uh, then, you know, with that becomes the unpredictability in giving. Like, man, we're, we're in the middle of this crisis, and, and people are not sure if they want to come back or not, and, and then people are like, oh, you know, like feeling the tension of what's happening in the media and the culture and all that stuff. Everything was testing everybody. I know. It happened to us all. And in that time, the Spirit of God told me to do something super uncomfortable. He said, you're losing people. I don't want you to give people away. So he mentioned some of the satellite churches that we planted. We did that while we were people were leaving. God told us to release people and say, listen, would you like to start a satellite church? Listen, I needed people to stay. And God was telling me to give them up and send them. And no, you don't just send your worst, you send your best. So you're sending your best. I sent like worship leaders. That's what I sent. I was like, this worship, I didn't realize it until later on. I was like, I just emptied my worship team. I, what, what am I doing? Like, we just went through stuff in our worship team, and now we're bringing instability to our worship team. Why? Like, what am I? Like, if I would have thought about it, I probably wouldn't have done it. And, and then, and then and it was just like, I was just obeying, trusting and obeying. Just trust and obey. And I, we released them. We released some of our best givers, and, and they, they went. And so they started these different chapters throughout um, Philadelphia, one here in Camden even. And so we're, we just did that. And it was in the midst of unpredictable and uncomfortable and hardship. And God has sustained us. And God has brought more in. And, and God is, somehow we're, we're making it. Somehow we're doing it. And the people who come back are like, I don't recognize anybody's church. It's like, yeah, somehow new families are being given to us. And, and God has given us the harvest. It's not just church transfers. It's people that nobody else wants. And I say, God, give me the people that nobody else wants. And what happens when he gives us the people that nobody else wants? We build them up to be the people that everybody else wants. And all of a sudden it's like, where'd you get this guy? Where'd you get this gal? Where'd you get that young person? Radical killing and eating. God has killer moves. He brought them into whatever circumstances, and we're just being the best stewards of the in-between, going from faith to faith and glory to glory, and trusting God in even these killer moves that He knows what He's doing. And His dance sometimes is stepping on our toes. And it's like, ouch, ouch, God, can you dance differently? And it's like, no, I'm getting you out of your comfort zone. And he did it to the church of Acts. They were comfortable being in that church for a long time and just sheltering up together. And he said, now it's time. Let me bring some persecution because you got to go. I said, I didn't say, I didn't say uh, hear the gospel and stay. I said, hear the gospel and go. And so he had to get them going. And so he brought some uncomfortable circumstances in order for them to go to show them that this isn't just it. It's not just a holy huddle between us four and no more. It's about a lot more people that you need to reach and not just be here as a bless me club, but how can I be a blessing? How can I release the power and authority that he's brought into my life and give it to others? So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you move past. And you're probably there. I don't, I don't know. You're probably there. But I, just in case that I want to pray that you never settle for powerless Christianity. Not with the God that we serve. Not that God, not in the day that we live in that you settle for powerless Christianity, but by trusting and obeying where his power is moving today and tomorrow, you will get past, past the comfort zone 
into the zone of the unknown where his presence resides. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet in this place and I want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, we thank you here at High Street Church, Lord God. What you've done throughout the years in this body, in this congregation, in these people. Father God, I just know that you are up to something. And it is not always in the direction or in the trajectory that we would like, but you are up to something if we would just trust and obey and lean in to what it is that you want to show us, Father God. I thank you for the opportunity to minister to these wonderful people this morning. I pray that something I said, something that you said through me, would provoke them to powerful Christianity, to display the wonders, the signs, the miracles, the fragrance of who you are, Father God, to a lost and dying world. Some of those lost and dying are family members and friends. And they are in the community or in the workplace. And they are throughout our going and coming. Father God, that we are called to be ambassadors of truth, ambassadors of power and life. This is what the kingdom is made up of, Lord God. And when you are lifted on high, you draw all men to yourself. So I pray for those who are in here that you will impart something today to them. That will, that will help them to embrace what discomfort may come from a killing and eating season. If you're in this place and, and you would like to receive prayer along those lines, God is speaking to you. We just raise your hand. I want to know who you are. So as I pray for you, I know where to direct that prayer. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. I see your hands. Father God, I thank you for those who are lifting their hands now. Let it be a sign of surrender, a sign of like Isaiah. Here am I, God. Pick me. Choose me. And like Isaiah, you brought burning coal to his lips. He was, felt ruined on that day. He says, woe is me. For I've seen God and how I've seen the train of his robe. And, and so it was a moment where something had to die. Something had to come off and it was the form of the burning coal that purged the old to bring them into a prophetic new. I pray, Father God, for those who raise their hand, that they come into a prophetically a new season as you begin to purge and burn off the old. Father God, that they will not see as discomfort as something that is not of you, Lord God, but something that they enter into and will trust and obey. What that means for maybe their job, maybe within their family, they felt like, well, I'm an introvert. What do I have to say? What can I bring? And God, you will compel them to be more of an extrovert and speak up on your behalf and bring truth into a situation, Father God. And not be afraid to lay hands and pray for those who are sick, even those who are far from God, that they would just say, hey, my God is good. My God loves people. And God, he happens to heal as well. Could I pray for you that we will be willing to step in to the kingdom where we bring healing and, and where we set the captive free we speak words and let the holy spirit give us utterance of things that we had not foreknown but upon stepping out of our comfort zone you begin to show us how powerful christianity is supposed to be 
and that the world longs for these encounters and experiences. Like, I long for a God that I would know and love, and it wouldn't just be something that would be painted on the screen, but something that I would encounter in my life, God. I pray for an anointing to come on these people in this church, Lord God, that their songs will sound differently, Lord God, that their prayers will be prayed differently, Father God, that their countenance, Lord God, will reflect a one that's been in the presence of God in their bedroom and, and in their quiet space, Lord God, that they've been in his presence and that they begin to carry that into places of chaos and places of brokenness and places where they need you the most, Father God. For we are your gift to the world. Like you sent your son as a gift. And then you sent your Holy Spirit to be a gift to us so that we can be that gift to the world, Lord God. May we express that, that, that internal reality of the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life and embrace the fact that some things might need to be killed and eaten in the process. So bless them, Lord God. May your peace come upon them. May your power revolutionize them today. And may it happen through your name and through your word and through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray and impart all these things. Amen and amen. Yeah, put your hands together. Give God a praise offering. So glad for his word this morning. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. And I pray you got something for this message today. Pastor Paul, thank you. And Pastor Kathy, thank you for having us. Amen.